It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. What's up, pet pals? Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. Now, on this show today, we welcome two very talented individuals who really know how to help itty bitty kitties to survive and thrive. And guess what? We're not kidding around. So please welcome from the Arizona Humane Society, Jared Wright and Bretta Nelson. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having us. And here's little Dasher as well. He's nibbling yeah, on my hand. Manners. Tell us a little 411 on Miss Mr. or Mrs. Dash, Ms. or Mr. Dasher. This is Mr. Dasher. He's 11 week old kitty. He's a little fur ball and uh, rescued by the Arizona Humane Society. I don't know if you can tell, but he's missing his little eyeball. Uh, he had to have it uh, surgically removed, but it has not stopped him at all. And he is up for adoption right now. <laughs> all right. And everybody, the Arizona Humane Society is located in Phoenix. So all you lucky subscribers to Arden Moore's YouTube channel got to see Dasher. So I want the rest of you on the radio shows to dash over to Arden Moore after the show, and you'll be able to check out the wonderful one-eyed dasher and let's get the fancy titles out of the way if we could all right jared i love your title you are uh the intensive care and special projects manager take a bow play bow there you go and bretta nelson who is the senior manager for public relations all of this for this very innovative shelter in phoenix so welcome to you both you ready to get your purr on oh, oh God. God. we've been <laughs> the reason, everyone, that I invited Jared and Bretta is because before you know it, it's going to be kitten season all over the country. Now, depending where you live and your climate, it can start a little earlier and last a little longer. But there's some great news. We're going to dive into what's happening of innovative nature at the Arizona Humane Society. And later in the show, we're gonna get into working cats and find out what's happening with DOGs because the shelters of the 21st century are, are, are examples like the Arizona Humane Society. But before I get started, I kinda, I know I gave you fancy titles and declared them, but I wanna ask you both. Jared, you're up first. What got you into the shelter world and what inspired you? Yeah, I moved to Arizona in roughly 2012, and I went to my first shelter, um, and I got to kind of experience what that shelter life was like, and it definitely wasn't the most comfortable. Um, I'm a big <laughs> pit bull fan. I knew they were a little misunderstood, and so I really focused on pit bulls and helping that breed name and just focused on animal health and well-being in general. And then through my 
my time with the animal shelters, I started to hear about the Arizona Humane Society and what they were doing, and the great programs that they were starting to develop. And so that really drew me into this organization. So lucky and happy to be part of it. So you're proof that you're a man that loves the pities, who I call meaty cheeks. <laughs> I smiled about yeah. your cheeks. Um, and yet another living great example of real men love cats, right, Jared? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Greta? What brought you to Arizona Humane Society? Yeah, so I mean, I remember being in first grade and of course had dogs and I came home um, and it was near my birthday and there was this stray dog on our stoop, had run away from home, northern Wisconsin, and my mom was just as bad as me and she went to my dad and said, we're keeping this dog and he said, no, we're not. And Five minutes later, the dog was in our house. So uh, we did find the owner. The owner did not want to keep him. Uh, and he became Willie Nelson, not on purpose. Uh, his name was Willie and we changed it to Willie and then soon realized that by nature of last name Nelson, he became a country singer. But uh, I am just a, a huge, huge pet lover. And you know, like many people, you come and work at a shelter and you think it's all about the pets and you soon realize it's about the people too. And the Arizona Humane Society does a remarkable job of caring for both ends of the leash, the pets and the people. So yeah, I have been here uh, 12 years and there's never a dull moment. Right now I'm picking Dasher's hair out of my uh, lip. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's always fun. Yeah, it is. You, you never know what day will bring what. But um, let's talk about shelters because uh, they're not really they're not the pound of, of a generation ago. And the, you all are being more proactive and trying to be part of the community to prevent a large number of pets at shelters. You got some bragging rights. Um, I wanted to ask you because I think I read somewhere that your you have done a lot to reduce uh, the need for euthanasia because there's too many pets. There was a number, and I used to be a sports writer. So anybody, what Brenda, do you know that number? What you've done? Yeah. So I've been here, gosh, since 2010, uh, and shortly after, in about 2013, Dr. Stephen Hansen came on board, and he is our president and CEO. And he just, I remember a meeting, and he said, "Hey, we're going to start these." 12 programs. And we said, oh, when are we going to do that? Yeah. He said yesterday. He, he said yesterday and he meant it. And in the Valley, obviously Phoenix, huge population. The metro area is about 5 million people. Uh, and, you know, 100,000 animals were entering Valley shelters and sadly about half weren't making it out alive. And he said, you know, we're going to stop that. And the Arizona Humane Society, we have a pretty big task because we take in all the sick injured and abused homeless animals. We do it in large part through our field rescue team, through owner surrenders, Good Samaritans. We run a trauma hospital. Uh, so, you know, we knew we had to do things differently. And, and a lot of that had to do with our cat friends. We had to do better by cats. And that's when we started opening up our bottle baby uh, kitten intensive care unit, our kitten nursery working cats program, um, and a lot of our special ICUs that Jared oversees for pets that are routinely euthanized in other shelters across the country. And we were able to uh, decrease, decrease euthanasia by about 80%. Uh, and it's just been a remarkable transformation. Well, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm a stat gal. About a decade ago, 
you have made it so that you've reduced euthanasia by 83%. And thanks to folks like you, there are, is it uh, 130,000 cats, dogs, and other companion animals that are alive thanks to your efforts. And that's that pretty actually, cool. You, you go to heaven, there's going to be a big line of uh, pets waiting for you, don't you think, you too? No, there better be. There better be. <laughs> No, but that's a 130,000 additional lives saved because oh. of our pet resource center too. And that's when I talked about helping the people too, because when I started here, it was oftentimes you'd say, okay, yep, come in, drop your pet off. No problem. Oh, you want to adopt? Let's ask you 400 questions. We made it hard. <laughs> and that's when Dr. Hansen said, Hey guys, like, why aren't we offering people resources? We should be the last stop for pet owners who are having hardships. They need a bag of yeah. food, give them a bag of food, you know, like say, that. and when they want to come adopt, let's have an open adoption policy and assume they're just doing it because they're, they want to, because they have a good heart. Let's not question them. So yeah, it has been absolutely life-changing for this organization and this community. Well, everyone, we're talking with uh, Breda Nelson and Jared Wright. They are at the Arizona Humane Society, and we're going to find out about the special needs of taking care of itty-bitty kittens after we take this break. So you all know the drill. You got to sit and purr. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And now you never have to miss not even one second of any episode. Why? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. <laughs> Bringing out the best in pets and their people, this is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. And we're talking with a dynamic duel from the Arizona Humane Society that's in Phoenix, Jared Wright and Bretta Nelson. And I got to tell you, little itty bitty kitties. Uh, Jared, one of my cats is a ginger cat named Rusty the Performer. And he was found in a dumpster in Georgia, orphaned by the very famous Samantha Martin, who is of the amazing Acro Cats. Mm -hmm. So she saved this flea written kitten without the mamas or the, his siblings and bottle fed him, incubated him. And he is the sweetest boy. He's three years old now. But Jared, I mean, wow. A lot happens in a kitten's life, but let's go to the first month. Let's talk about some of the issues that could make or not a, a kitten survival. They're definitely a lot of work. Yeah, they need to be fed every two to four hours just to make sure they're getting proper nutrition and gaining proper weight. Uh, they should gain about 10 grams every day. And here's what I understand. 
by the time they hit their first birthday, shouldn't they be what age chronologically and about what's a good healthy weight for a cat? First year, probably five-ish pounds. They shouldn't be too, too overweight, definitely. Well, I also understand they're the equivalent of a, of a human teenager. So they're about 15 years old. And I only say that because I wrote the cat behavior answer book. And I work with a lot of feline experts. But the point is, they do a lot of growing mentally and physically that first year. So you get kittens in. And what are some of the circumstances, um, Jared, that you find that uh, kittens show up at the doorstep of the Humane Society? What's some of the situations? Finding kittens underneath a bush and just wanting to help those kittens, as most people would want to do. And then bring them in to the Arizona Humane Society asking what they should do. How can we help them? We can bring them in through our ICU program, or we also like to push uh, caring in place. And that's where we actually offer supplies for the Good Samaritan to bring in, whether it's a scale, a heating pad, food, and offer those resources so the kittens can stay out of the shelter and get the 24-hour loving care at home. Um, we have a great campaign here. It's called Don't Kidnap Kittens. And as you know, likely the success rate when you take these little orphaned, you know, newborn kittens away from their moms, uh, the success rate of them surviving plummets. And so we do a very aggressive awareness campaign uh, starting in about February, March timeframe, encouraging people, if you see a litter of kittens, wait eight hours, make sure that their mom is not out looking for, um, you know, food for them, resources for them because Arizona has such a, you know, temperature, uh, a good temperature typically until we get to our summer months. Uh, our kitten season is super long. It's about March to November. And yeah. I, I like the fact that you're saying monitor them, but don't immediately take them away. Exactly, exactly. Because oftentimes their moms are going to come back. And again, you have those good hearted instincts where as humans, we want to jump in and help. But again, it's very hard to keep these little babies going. Um, and our, you know, bottle baby ICU can only do so much. I mean, we have to have certain capacity numbers and things. We have volunteers and staff that are 24 hours a day. But if the community can take part, then our care in place program is really popular as well. Some questions I'm going to toss at you, because let's say the kittens, something happened to the mom and they need to survive. How urgent do they need to get food? What's the do's and don'ts of what to give a kitten that is a neonate, you know, under three weeks of age? They don't have teeth. Their eyes may not be open. What, what are some of the do's and don'ts? You want to take that on, Jared? Yeah, I think a lot of people's assumption is cow's milk. Is, is the best thing to grab. And that, that is not the case. They're not cows, uh, obviously. It doesn't have the right nutritional value for them. Wait, so you, heard this, you heard that here first from Jared. Cows <laughs> are not cows. I think there's a new t-shirt you guys could do that could be a, a fundraiser. Kittens are not cows. There you go. I just helped the Arizona Humane Society. KMR is kitten milk replacer. That's available at any like local store that you can get groceries at or a pet store. Um, and there's okay. another one that's called Breeder's Edge Foster Kitten Replacement Formula. Do you mix it with water or what? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, there's specific uh, directions on the back here uh, that you want to make sure that you're following. Um, yeah, you just mix it with warm water. You want to test the water, making sure it's not too hot in the bottle. 
You can test it on the inside of your wrist. If it's really hot and burning your arm, it's clearly too hot for a little baby kitten. Um, okay. It should be roughly room temperature. And let's talk about what is the problem of giving cow's milk to a, a, a neonate? What's the danger? Yeah, it can cause uh, GI issues, stomach upset, which can cause uh, vomiting and diarrhea. That's definitely not something you want your kittens uh, to get dehydrated. That can be threatening yeah. to their overall health for sure. I teach uh, pet first aid and when those cells are dry, that's all the body system is not a humming, right? right? They're so tiny. They're so tiny. And they have to eat every two hours. So how at the Arizona Humane Society are you guys uh, coordinating that? That's quite a challenge because on average, how many little kittens need 24-hour feeding? What would you say during kitten season? Uh, during peak season, we can have up to 56 babies in our ICU at one time. Wow. So that we have to be adorable to see all those little kittens, but that's a big responsibility. Most definitely. We have amazing volunteers and staff, and we have a big board that has kennel numbers, how many kittens are in each kennel, how often they need to eat, what type of food or diet they're on, and they can prioritize based off that. Is there certain kinds of nipples that work better for these little guys? Because they don't have teeth, but they do have the suction drive innate. Because if yeah. they were with their mamas, they would be nursing. There's a lot of nipples that come without a hole in it. So you can like heat up a needle and put it through the end of the nipple. You should get about a drop a second. Oh, really? A drop a yeah. second. Okay. Roughly. Right. You definitely don't want it to be like a constant stream. If it's a constant stream, that's going to flood the kitten's mouth and it's going to cause way too much formula coming into their mouth. Um, we use a special nipple that's called a miracle nipple. It already comes with a pre-made hole in it. Uh, so it allows the proper flow to come through. And the kittens just really seem to enjoy those and latch onto those the best. We've got about a minute left before the break. There are some do's and don'ts uh, on how to bottle feed and the position. I don't know if Dasher's around anymore, but if he is, uh, Jared. You, we'll wake him up and see. Come here, goofers. Would you hold, one of you hold and the other explain. What is well, the feed? It might look really cute to feed them on their backs. That actually puts too much formula into their mouth. They can aspirate and that's formula getting into their lungs, causing different health issues. Right. The best way is just having their belly on the ground. It's just a natural posture for how they would feed with mom. We like to do something called a kitten burrito. And Her that's burrito. We, he's wrapping a little dasher in a towel or yep. fleece. Their okay. legs all encompassed in that towel with just their head uh, poking out. That way they can't paw away or maybe accidentally scratch your fingers. Um, that's just a really easy way to have control of the kitten. Um, best thing feeding with all four on the floor with their bellies, not feeding on their back, and then having the bottle at roughly like a 45-degree slant. Um, I like that. Hey, everybody, we're speaking with uh, Bretta Nelson and Jared Wright. They're at the Arizona Humane Society in Phoenix. We're going to dive into more work that this shelter is doing after this break. Uh, so sit and purr. We'll be right back. Everybody. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. 
We're learning all about care for itty bitty kittens on the show with two experts from the Arizona Humane Society, uh, Jared and Bretta, and a uh, special appearance by One-Eyed Dasher. Now, these kitties can't generate their own body heat. Well, w- what can we do so they're cozy, but not overheated and definitely not cold? Great question. Yeah, the last thing you want is them to go hypothermic. Um, they don't thermoregulate, which is regulating your own body temperature. We use a non-timed heat pad. You just put it in their kennel and give them a nice space to get off the heat pad if they need to get off the heat pad. Maybe they're getting too warm. So a warm side and a cool side where they can get proper regulated body temperature. So I know there's people in uh, Phoenix that want to help and Breta, as well as shelters all over the country. What's some things people can do? Because there are bottle feeders, right? But if somebody has a few hours a week, what could they do for kittens at the Arizona Humane Society? Yeah, well, definitely our volunteers are critical to our nonprofit organizations. We have a lot of different volunteer experiences within the Bottle Baby ICU. And last year, newborn, or I should say, kittens under eight weeks of age, we cared for about 2,100. So that's the newborn kittens going through our bottle baby kitten ICU and then our kitten nursery, which is for about five weeks to eight weeks. They're eating on their own. But the ultimate goal is to get these guys into foster homes where they can socialize. Um, So but volunteers that can come in and even help with long cleaning dishes, feeding, um, or they can work in our kitten nursery and socialize kitties, which I'm trying to do with little Dasher, who's <laughs> nibbling on me. be a happy handful. <laughs> yes. That, you, you mentioned teenager. I think Dasher is definitely a teenager. Um, but then, of course, foster hero homes are critical to our organization. Last year, we sent 5,700 pets into foster hero homes. It expands the walls of our organization. And then here in Phoenix, if you do find kittens and you they are orphaned, you can absolutely care in place. We provide all of the supplies. When they're ready to go up for adoption, they come back into our organization. We spay, neuter, vaccinate, and put them on the adoption floor. So, so many ways to get involved. Now, there are some cats that are like a home and a house. No, thank you. We're talking about maybe feral cats or cats, community cats. Uh, So I I want you to share something that the Arizona Humane Society is doing and it's, uh, I think if I get the pun right, you, you can help me, that they're, um, they're working for a job. Our working cat program is truly, truly life-saving because if you've ever seen a feral cat out in the community or a wild cat, whatever term you want to use, the minute they come into a shelter and they are confined to a small space and they have the smells, the sounds, it's very, very sad to see. They are just not going to reacts well. And nobody wants to put a cat through that. And oftentimes you can't handle them. They don't want to be touched. And, you know, back in the old days. I'm thinking thinking of the stress that must take a toll, not only mentally, but physically on their bodies. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we just thought, you know, we have to do better by these guys. Why don't we tap into their natural instincts? They don't enjoy in living. They don't enjoy the comforts of a home. They want to be out doing their job. So we implemented our working cat program. Uh, I think we place about maybe 200 or so a year. And that 
program. How long and they did you go, have the program, Greta? Gosh, since I want to say 2014, I believe. Um, so you're coming but, up on a decade. Yeah, and it's just, it, like I said, it's truly been life-saving. And a lot of places look for environmentally safe pest controls. They don't want to use poisons. And that's what these cats provide. So they go live in ranches, barns, warehouses, or a brewery like our friend Gravy. Uh, I mean, we got we to tee this up. Okay, <laughs> everyone, there is a cat in a brewery in Arizona named yeah. Gravy, which... I don't know if that's a craft beer name, but tell us about Gravy's tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gravy, um, I've met him and he's so much nicer now than he used to be. Uh, well, but this is in a brewery. <laughs> if you guys want to see grown men adore a cat, go to Ren House Brewing here in Phoenix because I went a couple months ago. And he'll kill me for maybe saying this, but one of the staff members there is the first one in every day, feeds gravy, and he says, we play a game of chase around the brewery before everyone gets here, and it's our thing. And I said, hey, I love it. The regulars at this brewery take his bedding home every week and wash it and bring him clean nice. bedding. The name was the Wren House Brewing, which is W-R-E-N, correct? Correct. And some happened. Didn't uh, Gravy have an injury coming to your shelter? I believe he did. Yeah, I believe he did. And then he just was not, he wasn't having it. He was not going to be suitable for indoor living. And we took him, introduced him. There's a four-week acclimation period with our working cat program where they acclimate in a big wire crate. And you give them uh, tasty treats every day at a certain time. And over time, they start to understand you are their friend. You're going to feed them. And then they bring you these nice little gifts on your doorstep. Uh, you know, <laughs> Renhouse. Yeah, Renhouse just wanted to make sure they never got to the point of having that problem. And they got gravy. And he's like a staff member and has his own beer. And. He's living the but life. He doesn't have to fill out a W two. He just fills out an M two. Many mice. <laughs> right? ah, <yeah. laughs> I mean, what do you think of that, Jared? I mean, cats. I think in twenty twenty three are really showing all that they can give for us. What do you think about this working cat idea? I know you're the man in charge of the little itty bitties, but what do you think of this? You're a dude. You probably drink beer. What do you think of this? Nothing better than beer and cats, <laughs> and then both working together to keep the beer nice and tasty. Just an amazing idea. What, a, what an amazing concept and a way to push the boundaries and to give them a, a good life. It's a, it's a good life for them doing exactly what they want to do. So what's your personal for pets? What's the 411 for both of you? Um, what's your pets, uh, Bretta? So I, oh my gosh, they're just wonderful. I melt when I talk about them, but I have an eight-year-old lab shepherd. Our motto is more lab, less shepherd when we go in public. And she does the opposite. <laughs> have more shepherd, less lab, but she is just my heart and What's soul. What's her name? Her name is Zoe and she came into the Arizona Humane Society. She was rescued in a box with her siblings at about four weeks old from an irrigation uh, ditch that someone almost ran over. So I've had her eight years. And then Indy Rose is a four-year-old lab pit bull mix. Um, she's a tiny little thing uh, and is just uh, sweet as pie. They're both black. I have kind of a black lab love. 
they do resemble our black lab friends, but uh, we just took them on a six mile hike yesterday and they found a swimming hole and life was pretty good. And how about you, Jared? What kind of pets do you have? Yeah, like I said, I'm a pit bull guy. I really enjoy the American Staffordshire Terriers. So my first foster failure, he's about eight year old named Paulo, pretty blue guy. What is the name of Paulo or Paulo? No A, just Paulo. Oh, Paulo. Yeah. And I call them foster successes because you you oh. wanted that dog. You checked that oh, yeah. dog out. So let's change it to foster success. And yeah. I always call it a, a shelter alums instead of shelter rescues. What do you think of the verbiage? I got you a T-shirt name already. Cats don't drink cow milk <laughs> or whatever. And Cats now you've got <laughs> <laughs> so what's Paulo like? What's Paulo about? He's a big goofy guy. I got him when he was four weeks old. Uh, they thought that he might have parvo. Thankfully, he didn't. Uh, so I really just needed to do weight gain with him. And then I just kept him and adopted him on my birthday. And then Luna, he's about 12. She's really the one that got me like into animal welfare, being inside a shelter facility and just wanting to give more. Is she too? Or oh, yeah. what kind of dog? Okay. Yep, she's mix. Okay, cool. One thing you just touched upon, um, we're going to get to after this break, is uh, the need for a digital scale for the little guys. And we're going to talk about some other things happening at the Arizona Humane Society. So everybody just sit and stay. We'll be right back. Everybody. Welcome back to Four-Legged Life. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're learning a lot about inside a very successful shelter. It is the Arizona Humane Society. It's based in Phoenix. We have with us uh, Bretta Nelson and Jared Wright. Bretta, where, how spread out is the uh, Arizona Humane Society? How many locations? Give us the, the deets. We have a project reach out program so we can help other shelters when they are overflowing. So that could be our friends at Maricopa County Animal Care and Control or our friends in Hawaii. So a very life-saving program. But we have... How did you get from a, a tropical island to a, a desert state? You know, we are just equal opportunity and we will help whoever needs help. So that is so how... what kind of pets are they bringing you? What's coming off the island? Dogs. Yeah. Right now there is a shelter there that's really in need of help with uh, our dog friends. We take in three at a time. They obviously don't want to put too many on, on a plane at a time. But again, we're also just as equally committed to our partners here in Arizona because there is a true pet overpopulation problem here in Arizona as well. So yeah, and right now our shelters are kind of interesting. We have our Sunny Slope campus. It's been there since 1957. Our Nina Pulliam South Mountain Campus, where we're recording from. It's beautiful, 20 acres. And then the very exciting news this summer, we are opening our Rob and Melanie Walton Papago Park Campus. Uh, it is brand new. It will actually replace our Sunny Slope Campus, which, like I said, 1957, we use every square inch. And it okay. is just a little hard on the eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> this facility, though, 72,000 square feet, two-story, wow. 
these uh, really kind of the Tempe, Scottsdale, Phoenix location. Uh, it'll just be remarkable and allow us to save many more lives. But uh, yeah, based in, in Phoenix, Arizona, so winter's great and the summers aren't. What are some things that are going to bring people in? I know some shelters offer like a cat cafe. There's other things. What's something that you guys are doing that's pretty innovative or on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, just again, the uh, Papago Park campus is really about the experience. You know, we okay. don't want people to view shelters as what they were, you know, decades ago. They aren't sad places. They're they're happy places. They're a destination. You can come, you can grab coffee, and you can, you know, bring your family. And the cats are going to be in catios, and they have views of the Papago Buttes. And, you know, a big thing here at the Arizona Humane Society is we don't just look at our pets' physical well-being, but their mental well-being. So okay. we have a saying, excellent experience every time, and that is for staff, volunteers, pets, people. So we do a lot to keep our pets mentally stimulated. So you're going to see that in the new campus, lots of natural light, a lot of different bushes and trees that they can sniff as they walk around. And we just want to keep their minds working. So and what it's about music? Are you into the certain music? Because I know, you know, cats and dogs depend on the rhythm can be very good for them. Yeah, we're, we're big classical music people around here. A lot of classical music flowing through the, the Humane Society here, yeah. And uh, Jared, I know you're the, you're, your title is, a uh, fancy title is Intensive Care and Special Projects Managers. We've been talking to you about the itty bitty kitties, but what's some of the other things that you do? Awesome, some of the other areas, I oversee our puppy Parvo ICU. I also oversee- Let's talk about that because Parvo is very contagious, right? So it's actually its own special unit. It has its own ventilation area in there. Um, we do our own laundry in that space. You have to wear protective equipment in there, like booties, not walking around throughout the shelter with, with unprotected shoes. Um, we have dedicated staff that are in that space as well. That's and again, making sure wearing gowns and uh, changing in between patients. And what other things? So we have the kitties, the parvo pups, what else? Because you, you do a lot. <laughs> In 2017, I believe, we opened up our maternity suites. Uh, again, it's its own special little area where pregnant moms or recently new moms can go get out of the general population. It's quieter, less chance of disease spread. Tell us about that. How important is it for the doggy moms to get away from the general population? Yeah, stress just does terrible things to everybody. They have their own little yard within the unit that they can go and get some time away from their babies if they may want to get some away time. Um, it's connected to an out, outside kennel where they can get some actual sunlight if they want. But mostly it, it's quiet. It's nice and peaceful. If there's designated staff that clean that area, and it's a nice quiet spot for them. So we learned about Dasher, the one-eyed cat that's doing well. Gravy, the cat that's at a brewery. Each one of you, before we end the show, can you share another success story with either a cat or a dog that really touched your heart? Uh oh, I see Jared's thinking. So, <laughs> do, do you have an idea? <laughs> do you want to share? Of course, do. Um, you know, one for me would be Baby Yoda. Uh, she um, is a gorgeous German Shepherd. She's gorgeous now. When she came to us, she had such severe mange that she did not have a piece of hair on her. She looked like Yoda. She was skin and wrinkly and painful. And 
you just could not believe um, what she had gone through. She was part of a hoarding case. Our field rescue team uh, goes out on a lot of hoarding cases, sadly. Her recovery was probably a year long. It was about six months before she got adopted, but then even after that, the hair continued to grow. Um, but, oh, she turned into just a beautiful, beautiful dog. But that was just one that you, I think it was one of the few times in my career I said, are we really going to be able to save her? Because you just didn't know. And then they, everyone looked at me like, heck yeah, are you crazy? And oh, she's a beautiful well, I'm very girl. I'm happy to hear that. The force was with her, right? Yeah, certainly. All right. How about you, Jared? What was a save that touched you? Yeah, probably one of my fosters. Uh, she came in super tiny through a large-scale intake through our emergency animal technicians. It was a hoarding case, and she just needed somewhere to go to put on some weight. Um, was it I a had kitten or a, a puppy. Which it one? was a puppy. Yeah, it, a puppy. It was a little baby puppy. I just okay, got soft. That's good. Um, it was tied up in the courts for a while, so I had her with me for about three months, and so you just really oh, got really? back to that beautiful, beautiful puppy, um, and just getting to see her grow and be, be confident and comfortable when she wasn't confident and comfortable when she first came in. And then I coach youth soccer too. And so I talked to one of my families and they were looking for a, a, a puppy and they adopted her. So it was nice. Getting oh, that, is, that is great. She, he shoots, he scores. It's an <laughs> adoption. All right. Uh, we've got just a little more than a minute left. What is one thing that these pets these shelter animals have done to make you a better human. This time I'm putting you on the spot first, Jared. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, responsibility. She picked on me first. <laughs> Just overall responsibility, holding yourself accountable, making sure you're doing more and better things each and every day. And the more you're bettering yourself, the more you're able to give energy to the animals in our care and also our, our team, our technicians, our volunteers, and being able to. You love what you do, don't you, Jared? Yes. So when you're having a beer at a brewery and you tell people you bottle feed kittens, what do you think their response is? I don't think they believe me. They're like, that's a real job. People do that. They do. They do. And we could use your help, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well stated. How about you, uh, Bretta? What's your, what's your, uh, what has a cat, dog, or the shelter, what have they done to make you a better human? You know, I think it just taught me resiliency. I mean, you know, we sometimes say we we see the worst in human nature, but we also see the best in human nature. And, you know, we deal with a lot of behavior cases. They're shut down. They're shy. They don't trust. And you just spend a little bit of time with them. And, you know, they don't hold any ill will towards people. And it's just... Gosh, if people could be the same as animals, can you imagine the type of world we would live in? I would love that world. Yes. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, let's give pause and applause to uh, Bretta Nelson and Jared Wright. They're with the Arizona Humane Society. I want you all to go to azhumane.org. Check them out. See what they're doing. And uh, I can't believe the time is gone. That's it for our show today. So thank you both for being our special guest. You survived me. Was it all right? And Dasher. Yes, and Dasher says thank you. Music to my ears. All right. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Tevra, the makers of products that help pets get happy and healthy. That's T-E-V-R-A pet.com. And the next time you're on TevraPet.com, 
include Arden23 at checkout and you will earn a special treat for your pets. So that's Arden23. Everyone out there, thank you, Pet Pals, for tuning in and for all you stations airing this show coast to coast. And until next time, this is Arden Moore saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up! Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch full-length video versions of our guest interviews, our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. And have a pawsome week.